0: Now, from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15, Hummels Wharf, online at sunburymotors.com. Before we get to John McMullen and talk about the Eagles, I thought the goal was to keep the audience. John's a great guest, but Matt, what are the goals here? I know
1: to keep the audience morale up, but you never know. It's been, first of all, it's been a good couple of days <laughs> in Florham Park. So
0: they haven't faced anybody, Matt.
1: <laughs> I'm just taking what I can get right now. Okay.
0: Hey, John's an awesome guest. I mean, he'll he's worth listening to. But the subject matter. I mean, even John might want to, I mean, I'm, I'm afraid John wanted want to change the subject midway through. All right, so uh, let's get to our play-by-play call of the day. First time up, fly ball left field, way down the line in left and gone! Upper deck in left field here in St. Louis. Number 501, and the Tigers take a 4-0 lead with an exclamation point here in the third. Took him 31 at-bats to get 500. Didn't take him long to get 501, Miguel Cabrera. With that, we bring in John McMullen, ESPN South Jersey. John, all kidding aside, great to have you with us.
2: Uh, Yeah, great to be here, Steve. I I don't know, you know, this team is undefeated in joint practices, so I think they're going to put that banner uh, next to the 2017 World Champions banner, so I, I don't know what you're talking about. This is quality quality yeah, quality radio yeah, right here. I'm, missing,
0: I'm, I'm missing something because normally to me that's participation ribbons, but I mean <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure.
2: Now, by, and by uh, the way that's a pet peeve of mine because the Eagles championship banner says World Champions. It should say Super Bowl Champions. That's a right, pet peeve exactly. of mine.
0: Uh it should say super bowl champions right we all know what it means super bowl is super bowl um so john uh they get jalen hurts back obviously i mean because what happened in the 35 nothing game they did virtually nothing uh does that you know even in some small way point to what his value is to this team at this point
2: uh, no, I don't think so. I think preseason is what it is. And Nick Sirianni kind of admitted that, uh, you know, you use your base stuff, you're not going to show in anything. But to his credit, you know, the other team's doing that as well. So, in essence, you know, nobody's game planning for each other. So, it's kind of mm-hmm. just like who's better. And when you lose 35 nothing in the preseason, granted you're playing second, third teamers, uh, it's not good for those second and third teamers, but it's also fair to point out the Eagles didn't essentially play anyone, and they've been very cautious. My concern with Philadelphia is sort of an overriding thing. It's an organizational decision to to rest the key players, to get them as healthy as possible to Atlanta in week one. So right. you, you kind of ask yourself in the cost-benefit analysis, what's better? i you know, keeping everybody healthy. We all know load management is so big in pro sports. Goes beyond, far beyond the NFL uh, versus preparation time. I, I think it's going to be kind of ugly early in the season because I think players are going to be playing into regular season shape, so to speak, and and getting used to playing. It's almost like a, a de facto preseason, right. the first couple right. games of the regular season.
0: Right, that's a really good point, because I, I always tell everybody in the games that I do, you know, Penn State, for example, goes through preseason practice. All right, well, it usually takes, it's not really until, like, game three where the tackling gets to be good, because, let's face it, you're not doing, I mean, you're tackling, but not, like, constant game tackling. And I think that's the same story with the NFL, the way it's shaping up today.
2: Yeah, and, and you know, the the key players that do play they might play eight or ten snaps in a game that's what Jalen played in the first game was ten snaps and then all of a sudden and you can think about this from a defensive lineman's perspective one of those positions where it's constantly high motor and you got Fletcher Cox playing a series and uh, then shutting down for the entire preseason then he's got to show up September 12th and you got to play 60 snaps go You know, it it takes time to ramp up. And, you know, teams have made that sort of thought process and said we'd rather have our guys healthy uh, and and let them work into it than the opposite. I don't know if I agree with that, by the way.
0: Right. No, I understand. Um, Because I've said now I flip it to the end of the season. I've always told people I'd be playing my guys at the end of the year and not resting them. I just think there's something to be in a rhythm of it that means something, but that's just me. Uh, Is there a veteran that, I mean, I'm not talking about the starters who are going to set out and so forth. Is there a veteran you're looking at saying that it wouldn't hurt to have a good, solid last preseason game for them?
2: Uh, Veteran-wise, no. I'm kind of one of those guys. I've seen enough from Fletch and Brandon and and Lane Johnson, Brandon Brooks, all those guys. I, I don't need to see them. I, I do need to see, and this is where the disconnect is with the Eagles and, and the fact that if you go back to the, the Patriots game, you know, Jalen Rager and, and Quez Watkins and Devontae Smith, they played a full half, and I agree with that. I mean, those are young receivers who need work, who need reps. Um, and then you know it's not their fault with the quarterback getting sick before the game but the plan was he was only going to play two series again and I'm saying to myself I I see I see Patrick Mahomes out there playing Uh, Tom Brady even played in week one of the preseason Um, Mm -hmm. you see veteran quarterbacks playing uh, in the NFL preseason now there are certain guys like Aaron Rodgers they they put in 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 mothballs, but I mean that's one of the greatest quarterbacks <laughs> of all time. And right. I guarantee you, if if you use Aaron Rodgers as an example, I guarantee you if he retired, the Packers would be playing Jordan Love if healthy to get him ready in the preseason because he's right. never played before. You got a right. quarterback that's played four games, and you're treating him like he's. a superstar quarterback who doesn't need to prove anything doesn't make sense to me
0: right exactly Uh, is there a younger player that has made somewhat of an impression in camp that it wouldn't hurt if they had a good last preseason game to ensure a spot on the roster
2: As far as bubble players, I I think you look at some of the later round draft picks, you know, a couple guys, Jacoby Stevens was banged up for a little bit. I think he needs to uh, prove something to make the back end of this roster. Patrick Johnson is a guy who's moving from defensive end in college to linebacker in the pros. He needs to uh, prove some things. Sharon Jackson, all these guys are sort of. Uh, bubble players and, and need to play well, and even the guys who have roster spots locked down, like Zach McPherson, who obviously started at Penn State, finished up at uh, Texas Tech. He he needs he needs reps. He's going to make the team, but mm-hmm. he he needs reps. Milton Williams needs reps. Basically, every young player. I mean, and we've seen it with Jalen Rager, especially because there's a guy who can flash and. You know, he makes these brilliant one-handed catches at times. He looks like a a route-running machine in and, and one-on-one drills. Then he gets to the game, and it doesn't translate. And I yeah. think it's just about slowing down, getting used to it. And the only way you can do that is to play. All
0: right. Uh, is Do you have any gauge yet on Nick Sirianni? Or do we need do we need regular season to get a gauge on him?
2: Well, I think you need regular season to get a gauge on any coach. I, I do think the people that overreacted to his uh, first press conference and you know his energy and his kind of goofiness, to be honest, I think those people were overreacting. <clears throat> he he's he's not overwhelmed by the position. Um, ultimately. And he realizes this league's about talent, and I'm not sure if the Eagles have the talent. What they do have, though, is a good defensive line and a good offensive line. So they have a chance to be better than people expect if some of their over-30 players stay healthy. Because if you can block people in this league uh, and you can rush the quarterback, you can win some games, even if you struggle in other areas. Obviously, the big uncertainty is with the quarterback, and I don't think... Anybody's going to get a beat on that until we start playing because we got nothing to go on except practice, except joint practices, and they're worth. Like I joked, I mean the Eagles are four and zero in joint practices. Right. I don't think they're going to be four and zero in the regular season.
0: Uh, I've got to ask you though. Um, we're at that stage near the end where, like. What do you think is going to happen with a guy like Andre Dillard?
2: Yeah, I think the Eagles are going to try to trade him, and and we'll see. It, it's a difficult position to be in because, you know, from the sentiment of obviously you want to you want to uh, buy low and sell high. If you think about it from the stock stock market perspective, so uh, Andre Dillard, you're selling at the lowest point possible. You might get right. a conditional seventh round pick because he's performed so poorly. And then you have to factor in the ego of the general manager. And this is not a shot at Howie Roseman. This is every GM in this league. They want their first-round picks to succeed. So the Eagles aren't going to cut him. Um, He might not even trade him for what he can get, and he might just stash him on the back end of the roster and hope he can rehabilitate him and, and move him and get something from there. But it's pretty clear, even though the Eagles and Nick Sirianni talk, again today he, he went as far as he as he has to date but he still refused to name Jordan my lot as a starter but Jordan Mailata is going to be the starter uh,
0: how does it look you know, in sub packages uh, when you look at the potential sub packages who ends up being nickel dime guy who ends up being that extra receiver how, how, how can sub packages break down for the Eagles in your opinion?
2: Well, first off, I, defensively, you know, that, that old mentality of sub-package is not a sub-package. In other words, your nickel corner a, is a right. starter. It's uh, a primary, the 4-3, yeah. the base, the base, the old base is, is really the sub-package. Um, but the nickel corner is going to be Abonte Maddox, and he's played well. So you have Darius Slay and and Steve Nelson on the outside, Abonte Maddox inside. Uh, the two linebackers are going to be Eric Wilson, and Alex Singleton. So really the sub package comes down to who's that third linebacker going to be. Right now it looks like right. it's gonna, it might be Janard Avery. He's out with a groin injury. They, they might even put Ryan Kerrigan there because Jonathan Gannon does some Mike Zimmer-like things. If you think about the Vikings defense and they blitz sure. linebackers a little bit more. Right. They have overload blitzes, a gap blitzes. So we might want that pass rusher there. As far as the offense, that Quez Watkins has won that job. And, you know, that's one of the most disappointing. Probably, other than Andre Diller, Travis Fulgham is a guy who they thought was going to be one of the top three receivers after Devontae Smith and Jalen Rager, and he just lost that job. He just lost it. He had a bad camp kind of rebounded against the Jets a little bit, but it's too late. Quez Watkins has won that job. And I, I got to tell you, Steve, there is a lot of speed when you think about Smith, Rager, Watkins. That's a rookie and two second-year players who barely played. That's a lot of uncertainty with a quarterback who's barely played as well.
0: Yeah, um uh... Watkins is interesting, though. Um, I, I know that there's a disappointment on one end that somebody you expected to do well hasn't. But what is it about Watkins? You, know, you talk about the speed part, but is he bringing other elements to the table beyond speed? Is he a good route runner? Does he have good hands?
2: Yeah, I mean, in camp he's shown all that stuff, and you probably saw the bubble screen he, he took to the house against the Steelers, yeah. Uh and that showed off his speed i mean the speed is number one he just you know the steelers defensive back i forget who it was uh but he had the angle and he just blew it he just blew past him and and when you see nfl players do that you know that's that's rare uh because everybody's fast in that league um so he's he's a legit four three two guy uh and that's his greatest trait as a player, but he has improved as a route runner has improved his hands. He's, he's caught everything uh, in camp. He's certainly shown. In, in fact, he's shown better hands than, than Rager, certainly. And even Smith to uh, Smith had the um, whether it was nerves or what have you against the Patriots. He had, he had three drops essentially only one official, but you know, mm-hmm. one was taken back for a penalty and, and, Everybody will tell you, even Devontae, Joe Flacco threw a, a, a perfect back shoulder to him. He just didn't get his head around quickly enough. Uh-huh. So that kind of tells you the hiccups. As talented as Devontae Smith is, there are there are going to be hiccups with young receivers and the Eagles are playing counting on three of them. So that's 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 what I was trying to say as far as not uh-huh. having any veteran presence at that position.
0: Exactly. Uh, I believe the Jets are a four-point favorite. If you're betting on preseason games, you need the 800 number. Yeah, get it. Right. Yeah, uh, get, get some help if you're betting on preseason. <laughs> okay, just look up the 800 number now. John, always a pleasure. Thanks so much. It was We had a lot of fun in this segment with some great information, too. Thank you.
2: All right, thank you. Appreciate it.
0: John McMullen. Are you feeling better after listening to that?
1: Honestly, it's it's everything that he said is exactly well,
0: what know we've known right. about this team. I I know he's right.
1: I so I, he's right. I I don't feel any better or worse, really.
0: If I compare what he said substance-wise to one of our staff meetings, which one's better? That's a good question. Back with more in a moment on News Radio 1070 WK. Okay. Uh, ESPN, by the way, is going to cancel the TV show The Jump. And with one year remaining on her contract, Rachel Nichols will spend the next year getting paid but not appearing on the air. Uh, Maria Taylor, of course, has already left for NBC. All of this, of course, very predictable. Uh, from ESPN, but they've uh, pulled the show the jump, it's canceled and with a year remaining under contract uh, she will not probably be on the air for that next year, she'll play it out then go from there and find out what is next for her in her career and Maria Taylor of course has gone over to NBC now what Taylor's role is going to be with NBC I don't know I don't know if she's going to be on the pregame show I don't know if they'll put her on Notre Dame football, I don't know what they're, they're going to do I don't know. Uh, will they put her on the select nights where Mike Tirico and Andrew Brees are doing games? I don't know. So uh, there's a lot of I don't knows um, with Maria Taylor, but we're not privy to NBC meetings either. Uh, but that is the story with that. Dwayne Haskins will start Friday at uh, in Carolina. Uh, Mason Rudolph and Ben Roethlisberger will not play. Najee Harris also will not play. Many other starters will not play, but the starting offensive line for the Steelers will. Teddy Bridgewater's won the starting quarterback job in Denver, beating out Drew Locke. Trevor Lawrence has won the starting quarterback job in Jacksonville. And it looks like uh, the battle in their final preseason game against Dallas is going to be who the backup is. But Trevor Lawrence has the job. Andy Dalton starts in Chicago, not uh, Justin Fields. Jimmy Garoppolo starts in San Francisco, not Trey Lance, but Zach Wilson will start for the Jets. I'm trying to think there's anything else that broke quarterback-wise. And by the way, the Rams now are out of draft choices for the next five years. They dealt two more today, to the Patriots for Sonny Michel. I think they're out of I believe they're out of draft picks now. No? Not true.
1: Probably close
0: though. They are close, but when when Cam Akers got hurt and was lost for the season, they felt they needed a running back. So they picked up Sonny Michel from the Patriots. Look the Rams the Rams are in an interesting position. New stadium. It is a market where you have to fight for fans, and you can only do that in Los Angeles if you are winning. Los Angeles does not support teams that are not winning. And I think the Rams feel the pressure to do it and do it now. Taking your calls at 800 795 9565. This is The Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK now from the sunbury motors studio here's steve jones sunbury motors 4th street in sunbury sunbury motors kia routes 11 and 15 almost Wharf online sunburymotors.com who has ford who has lincoln who has hyundai who has kia sunbury motors does and great pre-owned inventory, all with the Sunbury Motors guarantee. It's all at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Key Routes 11 and 15, Hummels online at sunburymotors.com. All right, great to always bring in from the York Daily Record, Frank Bodani. Frank, welcome back. Great to have you with us.
3: Uh, doing great, Steve. Good to be seeing you here shortly.
0: <laughs> great to be seeing you as well shortly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, did you watch any of that? Alliance press conference yesterday, and if so, what were your takeaways?
3: Purposely, no. Off, I was actually off for a few days this week, but I did monitor from afar, and I realized that I missed absolutely nothing by not (laughs) tuning in. Um, You know, there just was a lot of uh, rhetoric of feel good. You know, this is going to be great, but I'm not really sure if there's anything that fans or anybody can kind of go away with. Well, this is definitely going to happen this is definitely what this means. (laughs) Right. Um, You know, so I don't know. I mean, it's a good idea, something they have to do to come together to kind of keep college football in their realm and getting away from them and a way to kind of go against the SEC taking over things. But what does it really... I mean, for fans, what does it really mean? And that, I mean, maybe different scheduling, better scheduling, but when and how... And how far down the road are either of us going to be even involved in college football by the time we see the re- right. reap the rewards of this with scheduling because of how far scheduling goes out at this
0: point? Yeah, football, yes. Basketball, they could actually do it right as early as next year. Right. Football, no.
3: Right, right. Now, excellent point. I'm looking at this from football lens, but um, yeah, that's that's a very good point. Yeah,
0: I mean, I'm just saying men's and women's basketball. You know, they usually do a lot of scheduling for the most part during the offseason. Uh, football's done right. years ahead of time, as you correctly pointed right. out, front, years. Uh, right. So when this thing finally gets... This weekend, we have week zero. Uh, it's uh, In fact, it's Nebraska and Illinois. They were supposed to play in Dublin, but it's going to be in Champaign. Right that you and I have both been to Dublin and Champaign. Let's think about that. Dublin, Champaign, <laughs> Champaign. Okay, that's a different topic. Yeah. Uh, what, what, you know, just from a coverage point of view, from a work point of view... How excited are you for this season, uh, just in general, for college football?
3: Yeah, I think there's a little trepidation, but I think excitement overall, because, you know, I was talking, you know, mentioned to Jason, is this, that going to games last year, you knew they counted, but it was almost more like going to a practice. I mean, college football is the atmosphere, and that was not there at all in any form or fashion at least this year you have the promise of there being that i mean i guess you don't know exactly what's going to happen five six weeks from now but i mean right now we're having fans in the stadium and hopefully safely and there's going to be a feel that this is the way it should be i mean the games counted but in a way kind of like did they i mean they did but did they really feel like they did last year in a lot of ways? To me, no. So,
0: right. Uh, so, Penn State will open with Wisconsin. Well, what well Jack Ham and I were trying to put our heads together the other night, thinking the last time that they had an opener like this, you know, even if it's non-conference, uh, how you know, in your opinion, what's the magnitude of just the opening game? You
3: know, it's. It's a good point because it's big in a sense of what you're saying. You know, you find out right away, so to speak, what you're made of, where you might be headed. But yet it's so early. I could see and both of these teams, I think, are legitimate, talented teams that could go a long way. So I don't necessarily think a loss is going to break either of these teams. I could see the loser rolling off you know, five out of six wins after this or something like that. It's just, the I guess it's the, the showpiece. I think it's almost more important, in a, maybe in a way, for Penn State, confidence-wise. You know, they come in with the chip on their shoulder, so to speak, but they need their confidence. they got a new offensive coordinator. Um, I think a really good performance of victory might go, almost go further for Penn State than it would for Wisconsin. I think Wisconsin could lose this game and maybe people be on them for a week. Or, But I think they're like a machine. I think they're going to be okay. Right. I think they, they're, they're good at what they do. People know it, but they're still good at it. And they're going to be okay. I mean, Penn State's a little more volatile to me because there's things you just, you know, the ceiling's high, but you just don't know on some parts. And with some of the new things we've met, mentioned, you know, I think confidence is... People can talk about it, but you earn it, really, to me, on the field.
0: Absolutely, Frank. Excellent. I mean, look, uh, talk is one thing, but talk can all end up being false bravado. I mean, you just got to go out and just, you know, you can talk it, but you got to go out and get it done. And that's the bottom line for for everybody along the I don't care if you're Alabama, Penn State, or Ball State. You got to go out and just get it done.
3: Right, and Penn State's coming off that really kind of, uh, I mean, I know they finished, Better, but still a lot of questions, and these are young guys in their heads. I mean, how good are they against good teams? Yeah. You know, they didn't really play a really good team at the end of last year that they could maybe feel like, hey, we can beat Wisconsin. We're and how does their you new? Know, I mean, it's a lot. How their new offense kind of has to work right away yes. from the first game and, and like you pointed out you don't see many first game or second even second game matchups they haven't played a ranked they haven't opened against a ranked team in 20 years I think against mm-hmm. Miami and that was at home and they haven't played a ranked team I think on the road since like 1985 opened up right. so yeah they don't have a lot of Harris in the recent 30 no, years.
0: No, I so. mean, like, there's been some kickoff classics, pigskin classic, Arizona sure. here, USC played them in, what, 96, 2000, and 2000, and mm-hmm. Nebraska 1983, Georgia Tech. I mean, they, you but know, this is
3: even different to me because of the crowd. I mean, you know, those were pro-Penn State crowds right. for and the this most a, part of the kickoff class. And
0: this is a conference game.
3: Right, and this is conference at a tough, at just a, you know,
0: known as a tough place to play. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you and I have been there. I mean, I've been there several sure. times, so if you. You know what it's like there. Uh, so, Sean Clifford. When I've been asked about Sean Clifford, because obviously I, you know, I do a number of these, so I get asked about Sean, I point out that Sean's made 20 starts in his career. People forget he did not start the Rutgers game in 19, and he didn't start the Iowa game last year. He didn't come in until the second half of the Iowa game last year. Mm-hmm. So when you look at the other 20 starts, I've broken it down this way. Okay, the the four he started early last year, and then the other 16, and in the other 16, including the last four of last year, he threw 28 touchdowns, eight interceptions, and Penn State was 14 and two. Uh, to me, that's when I look at Sean Clifford. That's the kind of production I think they're going to need out of him. At three and a half to one touchdowns interceptions. What do you think?
3: Oh, absolutely, and I would go in favor of Sean's going to be okay, you know. I think yes. he has enough of a resume. I agree. I, I know he has to kind of, kind of so-called bounce back, but I think he can. To me, it's just keep him healthy. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's not really anybody's doing. That's probably more luck than anything. Mm-hmm. But keeping him, if you keep him healthy, I think he will be fine in the long run. I, I think his... To me, his background, his mentality, I'm a little surprised by some of the struggles, but yet I'm going with the overall package here, how he grew up, how he did in high school, how he did when he came to Penn. All of that, to me, outweighs the negatives so far, and I think he's going to be good.
0: Is there another aspect of the football team, Sean Clifford aside, that you're anxious to get a look at in game action? Yeah,
3: I want to see the linebackers perform. I mean, that's a yeah. big part of anybody's defense. Wisconsin has a really good set of them. Penn State, of course, that's one of their marquee spots, but I want to see how they do because is Brandon Smith going to be more, is he going to take that next step, be more like a Micah like Parsons game record type guy, you know, or or just how consistent is he going to be with that? Curtis is a great talent, but we haven't Seeing him as a full time starter, you know how, how are they going to are they going to play? How many guys are they going to play? Like, what's Jesse LaCada go How is he going to factor into mm-hmm. that group? I mean, because to me, they got to be strong up the middle, and I think at defensive tackle they will be, um, and Brisker in the back certainly. But in that middle, in the middle of the field, I mean, how, uh, to me, they just were at a transition mode last year. How are they going to be? You know, they got to be able to take over. They can't get pushed around. I mean, and you're going to see that as a big test, I guess, first up. And and maybe even in Ball State, who's a good team, too, the next week. I mean, how are the linebackers going to kind of control the game, the flow defensively?
0: Right. I think it's going to be very important. No question, no question about that. Uh, Brisker, by the way, was named what a preseason All-America. Uh, it's nice recognition. You want to see him be post-se- postseason All-American, but that's, you know, he uh, got named that today, I think, by by the AP. Uh, what do you think the transfers can mean? I know I've asked you about this before, so this is not a foreign question, but guys like Tangelo, guys like Epicady, Dixon, Lovett, uh, Wilson, what, can, what do you think they can mean for this team?
3: Well, Penn State was so active in that regard, way more than they've ever been. So it's really an uncalled, like, we we don't really know what to think about all the new faces in that regard. But I think they're good ones. I think Tangelo is going to, you know, he should, if he doesn't start, I mean, I would think he would start. But if he's not, he's going to play a lot. I pencil him as steady. You know, Ibikiti's a, uh, I think he's he's a big one. He's the biggest one for me to watch Mm -hmm. because I think he has a lot of potential. But until he transitions from, what he did in the past in a school in a league that Temple plays in to the Big Ten, we don't know. Penn State, I mean, they had quality guys at that position, but not as much production in some ways last year. But they need it. I mean, they lost one of their starting defensive ends. Everyone else is a question mark in one way or another. This kid has to kind of, I mean, they really need him to to step up and be effective. Uh, You know, I mean, to be a to be a guy they can count on to get in the backfield. Because I guess that's the other thing, aside from the linebackers, you know, who is going to get into the backfield on this defense? Right. You know, you hope Brandon Smith and Ibikidi do, but, I mean, that's a, that to me that's a question that's got to be answered as well, especially with Penn State's track record for doing that under Brent
0: Pro. In fact, that's what I, I decided to take a look yesterday at the career sack numbers of players. And, for example, Mustafer has two. Brandon Smith, I think, has two. Cady has six. He's the number one guy in terms of career sacks returning. I think uh, I want to say Ellis Brooks has four, believe it or not. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's That goes to your point. Okay, Who's going to be the one that gives you that kind of pressure that can give you, in the course of a 12-game regular season, maybe seven to nine sacks?
3: oh they need that in this league you got I mean, and in this game i mean to me the key to this game defensively is pressuring graham mertz making him make some mistakes because i don't think penn state's defense may stand a great chance of just going head to head slugging it out with wisconsin up front i think they need to press the issue with some blitzing some pressures however they see fit and make that quarterback make some mistakes i mean that's that would be the biggest key for me
0: frank it is always a pleasure thanks so much my friend oh, can't, can't wait I'd to see to. you
3: yes all the best uh the next week or two and i look forward to seeing you beaver stadium
0: absolutely thanks Take frank care. new york daily record will wrap it up in a moment brought to you by sunbury motors on news radio 1070 wk okay High school football round table coming up tomorrow for the first time this season. You ever feel like when you're around the suit, you're in the Truman show. All right. um, Get the lingerie on the deck. (laughs) Call the janitor. (laughs) Just thought I'd ask you that question. (laughs) But
1: we will have the chief tomorrow, most likely in studio here. And then Greg Greg Wetzel will call. In, oh, in the call. Greg will call in tomorrow. Um, and we'll have our new partner for uh, the Sealens Grove broadcast, new color analyst, Steve Briggs. He will join great. us. To, he will call us to, in tomorrow as well to preview this, the Sealens Grove game. Yeah, so brand new addition to the to the uh, broadcast this year is Steve Briggs. Love so it. he'll call us tomorrow too.
0: Looking forward to it. And the king on tomorrow as well. But I you mean, think about it. I mean, you think about the persona. I feel like when we're around the, the suit, it, it might be the Truman Show. At least he thinks he's on camera. F O U L E D. That spells foul. He's stop. Just, he's just. Uh, but the first game is uh, Central Mountain at home, Friday night. Fans. Uh, any I, I don't think there are any protocols right
1: there are no protocols for fans as far as I'm aware as of now for anybody yeah I mean most of the most of the districts around here if not all the districts around here have optional masking for in the for in the classroom so
0: okay
1: I, I haven't heard anything about that but I imagine those would be the same protocols for the games.
0: Okay. It's fine. Well, I mean, you want to wear a mask. I mean, that's that's your business. I mean, that's perfectly fine. You want to do that. That's, that's your call. Uh, So. And then, uh, let's see. We talked about Chickalimi, Central Mountain, Seals Grove. Has who in the opener?
1: They'll be at Pottsville. Tough one. To open up the year.
0: Pottsville. Okay. And Lewisburg has? Lewisburg
1: will be at Shemokin.
0: Okay. All
1: right. And Lewisburg yeah. has a brand-new head coach and Eric Wicks, who's actually good friends with Chamokin's coach, Henry Hynoski. Okay. They played each other and well, I guess they technically played against each other, but Henry was hurt. I actually just talked to Henry last night for my TV show. But, they were, but they've but they been good friends, and so that'll be an interesting week one matchup for sure.
0: Right. Great. It's wonderful. So it's just fun to get to opening week, isn't it?
1: Oh, it is. I can't wait to get going here.
0: And you have soccer next week?
1: I have two soccer next week. There you go. On Labor Day Monday. And on Thursday, I believe, next week.
0: Okay. Okay. All right. So, um, we mentioned earlier that uh, Rachel Nichols off the air but being paid. The jump canceled. And uh, also, Max Kellerman is off Stephen A. Smith's because uh, Stephen A. Smith, according to Andrew Marshan, Stephen A. Smith wanted Max Cullerman off first take, so they moved Max off and did other things. Max? Gone. Whatever. <laughs>
1: <laughs> did you know Stephen A. hosted in, in for um, I think it was Jimmy Fallon and apparently had good reviews.
0: I think it was Jimmy Kimmel.
1: Oh, Jimmy Kimmel, yeah, that's right.
0: I have not watched one of those shows. In boy.
1: Oh, me neither. I, I I'm not a big fan of late night decades. TV.
0: Yeah, decades. It's uh, just it's not my bag. Same. Um. <laughs> so you're Bob Bowlesby. And everybody's praising you yesterday, and they're saying how necessary the Big 12 is, but they didn't invite you. <laughs> Awkward. They <laughs> said they're like, eh, really? Oh, boy. Uh, the, the Pac-12 is supposed to be announcing later this week what their expansion thought process is. I think that what they're going to announce is they're going to stay where they are. I don't think they're going to bring anybody in. Yeah, it would make no sense for them to expand at this point. Well, based on what George Kleofkoff said yesterday, which was maybe the only substantial moment, he looked around and said, you know, we pretty really much got everything we wanted out of this.
1: Of course. They're, they're the, well, one of the, three, of the three conferences. They
0: benefit the most. Well, I'm saying if you got almost everything you wanted out of that, that means you, you might not be expanding. And that's my point. College sports is um, awesome, incredible, love it, and in some ways is a, an organizational mess.